Welcome to another episode of Live from the Blue Seats. I'm your host, Rob. Joined this week by JL, and we have a special guest host as well, who I will introduce in just a moment. We've really been excited about having him on the show, and it's it's a long time coming. Uh, but on this week's show, we, you know, we're back from a an unplanned or slightly unplanned holiday hiatus, um, and maybe we uh, have something to do with the downturn of the Rangers because in that time, they have struggled a little bit playing, you know, roughly 500 hockey over the last month or so. Um, we've got some great fan questions as well, so we'll get to all that. Really good to be back uh, with you, JL, and I want to introduce our guest host this week. As I mentioned, this is a long time coming. We, we mention his name quite a bit, uh, you know, on our show each week. Uh, he's a colleague of ours at Blue Seat Blogs. He is also a coach, a real coach. It's not just like a Twitter handle thing. Uh, it's Connell McNeilis is here. Coach Connell on Twitter. How you doing, man? Really great to have you on live from the Blue Seats. Yeah, good to be on here. I, I think this is the, this definitely the most official. I don't think I was on at all last year, and uh, I think maybe two years ago I was on once or twice. But no, it's great. Great to be here. Big fan of the show, obviously. Maybe I'm a little bit biased, but uh, good to be chatting with everybody. Yeah, absolutely. So, and that's right. I think you were on a couple years ago, and that, that predates- Maybe two years um, ago. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, yeah, yeah, something like that. That predates John Luke, and- um, you know, I think that, you know, that there's a lot of stuff that, um, you know, I've been wanting to to get you on to talk about, um, you know, about kind of, you know, what's changed with this team, with the coaching change, right, from Gallant to La, La Violette, maybe what you're seeing that's crept into their game that might be affecting the results lately. But before we get into any of that, um, for the folks that might not know you, uh, give us a little bit of background on, uh, you know, on your yourself as a coach, right? What team, what level do you coach at? How did you become a coach, right? So just that whole backstory, I think, would be would be great for everyone to hear. Yeah, sure, sure. So I'm in my my third season with the, the New Jersey 87s organization. Um, I'm their EHL assistant coach and the head coach of their premier team, which is kind of like their, their younger development junior team. So I coach junior hockey, which is, for those who don't know, you might know about the OHL or the USHL or something like that. But there's a lot of different tiers to junior hockey. It's it's kind of a gauntlet. Um, but our, our league that I coach in, as far as our top team goes, uh, we're, we're the number one league actually in North America as far as committing guys to that kind of NCAA Division three moniker. So uh, there is Division two, but I could go on that. There's really not Division two. So it's pretty much D1, mm-hmm. D3. So that's kind of our niche, and, and obviously a few other guys who have who have gone on to higher levels and played D two uh, D D one, excuse me. But yeah, I've been with them for a few years now. I, I coached the uh, the college level for a couple of years, uh, both at the NCAA and the ACHA with Newman University and Adrian College. I was started at the bottom with with Pee Wee's in high school and uh, worked in the analytics world for Valley Cats Company for a bit. So uh, yeah, I, I've kind of worked my way up the ladder and. Uh, as far as when I, I knew I was going to be a coach and I was like 10. So <laughs> it's just kind of always been in my blood. Um, always just been, I've always been very analytical as far as any sport I play, not just hockey. Um, that was kind of just always, always my mantra. I wanted to, to make sure I used my brain. I always felt there was a big advantage for me. And uh, my nickname in high school uh, my, and my senior year was torts. So that should give you a, enough of, uh, of an insight to kind of how I operated on the bench as well, uh, even when I was playing. So um, yeah, it kind of always was there. I wasn't quite sure. I wound up playing some, some club hockey up at Syracuse and um, you know, I wasn't quite sure I was going to really go into it. 
uh, got an opportunity to do it out of college and, and kind of just hit the ground running and I've made a career out of it. I, I also work as an advisor for a company. So kind of like an agent, but for your youth players, if that makes sense. So uh, I've mm -hmm. seen it all at this point. I have seen just about every junior hockey league in person in North America uh, that's worth recruiting out of outside of the uh, major juniors, just because you can't recruit out of those for NCAA hockey. But yeah, I've seen it all, man. I've been to Kamloops, uh, British Columbia. I've been to Thief River Falls, Minnesota. You should look up where the hell that is on a map. And uh, and uh, and yeah, so brings me back here. But happy to be back uh, last couple of years in the, the New York area. And, uh, and yeah, go Rangers. <laughs> and your team, uh, at least I know you're the, the premier team, won the championship last year. Am I right? I want to make sure to give you kudos on that. Yeah, yeah, we won it there, and, and our EHL team won it the year prior. So two straight years of the championship within our organization. So we're trying to uh, trying to double dip. No one in our league has has double dipped at both levels. So uh, that's that's part of the goal this year. Um, but uh, but yeah, I'm uh, I'm on the ice uh, four or five days a week with with our respective teams. We have a U18 team as well that I help out with, and uh, games on the weekends. And uh, and yeah, it's 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 my life. It's been my life forever. I don't really know how I function really without it, to be honest, it's pretty much hey, from late August to, <clears throat> excuse me, early April, I, I work seven days a week and it's, it, it's a bit of chaotic and I certainly miss some things. Uh, I'll tell you that, but at the end of the day, for me, it's, uh, it's worth it. Um, it's, it's the best job in the world, even though I get very worked up about it. <laughs> it's, 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 I'm lucky to be doing what I can do. I know that for sure. Yeah, well, that's how you know it's uh, it's the right thing for you, too. If you can work that much at it, you still enjoy it. Yeah. Um, all right. So uh, and, and uh, you know, I, I know that, you know, you may not have time to watch, you know, every single second of every single Ranger game. But uh, obviously, we want to get, you know, your thoughts on the current team before yeah. we get to the current team. And again, we might have done this two years ago, but but worth it's worth doing again. Yeah, sure. How'd you become a fan? What's your story? How'd you become a Ranger fan? Yeah, sure. I mean, my dad grew up in 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 Yonkers, New York, uh, to, uh, to 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 Irish immigrants. My my grandpa was from Ireland, so um, you know he, he just kind of adopted all the the New York sports teams for the most part. Um, and uh, you know, grew up never playing hockey, of course, at, at that time frame where he grew up, there wasn't a lot of hockey. He was a baseball and basketball player and uh, all that good stuff. But um, you know, loved the Rangers. So he's his, you know, Rajo Bear was his favorite, and he grew up with that and. I don't know. In mid nineties, we moved around a little bit. I, I keep this to myself. Sometimes my first ever hockey games are actually some Washington Capitals games. Cause we Ooh. lived in the, uh, we lived in the Baltimore area for a little bit, but by 2000, we were back in the New York area. I was born in 94. So by the time I was six, I was back in the New York area. And my dad was always very adamant that, Hey, you know, we could support these guys for the sake of supporting them. But you know, we're Ranger fans. We're, we're Giants fans or Mets fans, all that good stuff. So uh, yeah, my first hockey memories, um, are the 98 playoffs or 99 playoffs. Sorry. The stars and the Sabres. I liked Madonna and, and I liked those Sabres jerseys with Hajik. And uh, my first ever Ranger game was, it was either December 22nd or 23rd. I should have looked it up. Uh, 2000, the Rangers lost for the first time in NHL history. The Rangers lost on a penalty shot in overtime to the Nashville Predators. David Leguan with the goal. Kirk McLean was the Ranger goaltender. Sat in the blue seats, uh, the uh the old blue seas i should say rob for sure mm -hmm. uh and uh took the training it was a little bit delayed i think we might have missed the first few minutes or something but no i've been uh, going to games ever since we've had season tickets sporadically throughout the years obviously with my job now i probably get to less games than, than i used to but i watch just about every game as much as i can uh, even games that 
I can't watch live. I'll try to at least record and, and, and watch a good chunk of, and uh, it's really an addiction for me at, at hockey in all aspects. So, um, but, but yeah, so I've been a uh, diehard fan since, uh, since I could really remember um, and uh, have been lucky enough to, to been to, to, to my fair share of Ranger games over the years. Uh, and, uh, and yeah, and obviously eventually kind of brought me to the blog, which is, which was really cool and to interact with some other people. And, and yeah, that's where, that's where I'm at now. So you were born into the dark ages, which is always, yeah. uh, you know, I, I think is great, right? Builds character. hundred uh, percent. I didn't know, see the Rangers win. Sorry, Scott. I didn't see the Rangers win. I, I uh, when I was 13, when they, they swept Atlanta, I, I sobbed in my basement. I was so happy. I <laughs> sobbed. I have a vivid memory. I was so happy that they won a playoff series. Um, you know, and I always say I'm 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 clearly a loyal guy, whether it's that's an issue or not, because you know the Devils were just so dominant during the years that I started following hockey that I easily could have jumped ship. I'm very thankful I didn't. Uh, I have red hair for those who don't know, so the red clashes. So I can't do that anyway. I got to go with the blue. Uh, it helps better. But but yeah, hundred percent. A lot a lot of character built up in those early years when I was falling in love with the game. Absolutely. Well, good to have you on. Um, and definitely want to now, like I said, transition to talking about the current team because you know I find it through thirty nine games, and obviously, look, they've done quite a bit of winning. Um, even with the kind of inconsistent play over the last month. But um, it seems like at least, and we've talked about this a lot, you know, JL throughout the year, you know, this has just been a much more enjoyable version of the Rangers, even though a lot of the players are the same, you know, even, even the style of play isn't, you know, other than the first 10 games when they were a little bit more locked down. And again, I want to talk about that in a little more detail with you, Connell, through a coach's lens, but like, I'm just enjoying this team more like the, the vibes, from two years ago seem to be back, but the product on the ice is also a little bit better, if that makes sense. But what's your, uh, Connell, I'll get your, you know, want to get your thoughts since we haven't had you on. What's your kind of overall impression of this version, the 23, 24, uh, Rangers so far? Yeah, I really like it. I mean, I, I I've always been a fan of La Violette. Um, you know, I just like his, I like his demeanor. I like his approach. Um, I just like kind of the way he, he talks and he's an honest guy. And then I think it's worked. Uh, yeah, I, I would say overall, I agree. Definitely an enjoyable team to watch. I, I think, uh, I think they probably, I think all to our pleasant surprise adapted to, to, to how LaViolette wanted the team to play a, a little quicker than I think we anticipated almost, almost too quick. Cause I feel like they almost then hit a bit of a lull. Right. But mm-hmm. no, it's been, it's been good. I think it's a, I, I think he plays a really nice hybrid system as far as you know, when to be aggressive, when not to be, when to have your D in the rush, when not to, um, you know, we've, we've seen, uh, uh, at times, you know, that one, three, one, when, when they're, when they don't have clean possessions. So, I mean, I, I've really liked watching it. Um, you know, I, I will say just to give everybody, you know, talk about fandom, you know, as a guy who's a, you know, a professional coach in, 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 in some aspects, right. I mean, it's, I certainly watch games now a lot different than I used to. Um, it's, I, it's very analytical when I watch, so I'm always looking to, to, to kind of break some things down um, and, and look through it. But no, I've been I've been very pleased um, overall. Obviously, I think the injury bug hasn't hasn't helped, but you know I think the vibes as far as you know the attitude of the team and and clearly the respect level I think these guys have, even reading through the lines a little bit with some of their their quotes, I think you could say is 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 high for Laviolette. So very very pleased so far. Yeah. I mean, I've noticed that too. And, and, you know, some guys have been even a little bit more and hockey players are famously averse to, 
you know, being really brutally honest, you know, I guess unless you're Cutter Gautier, right? Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, there have been guys who have said, I mean, Keandre Miller said in, a, in an article, I think last week in the New York Post, that they're just much more prepared. There's a lot more uh, detailed game-to-game preparation, you know, specific situational stuff, face-off plays, you know, all, really down to the nitty-gritty that that he said we just haven't prepared like that before in my time here. So, you know, maybe not intending to throw previous coaches under the bus, but indirectly, you know, pretty much doing that. Uh, you know, I think Vincent Trocek uh, had some similar comments earlier in the year. So I would agree. I mean, I think they've taken to... Um, Laviolette style. And, and, you know, the other, the other thing I, that I'm wondering about too, Connell, um, and, and I don't know if you know quite as much about these guys, right? Laviolette's a long time NHL coach. He's a ton of, you know, over two decades in the league at this point, but this group of assistants that's he, that he's brought in. So, so maybe speak to, especially, you know, as someone who coaches, you know, the importance of the staff, right? Because this is a thing that in other sports gets so much attention, right? You talk about offensive and defensive coordinators in football, you know, NBA coaching staffs are like 10 deep now, you know, how important are assistant coaches and, and what do you think Dan Muse, Phil Housley and Michael Pekka have, have brought to this team in addition to what the head coach has kind of laid out? Oh, I think it's massive. I don't think it gets talked enough about. And I look into in everybody's, you know, to, to, I guess, just being realistic. I, I think even, you know, 10, 15 years ago, it might not have been as, as prevalent. But I, I think there's there's so much in the day to day. And as someone who right now who, who's a head coach and an assistant coach, so I kind of see it on on both sides of it a little bit here. I think it's immense. Um, you know, Muse is uh is really well respected as far as, you know, his approach to the game, kind of working his way up the ranks and he played at <clears throat> Stonehill and, you know, was, was kind of worked his way up through the prep circuit, USA hockey, USHL, NCAA. And, you know, has just a ton of knowledge and, and, and respect around the game. And, um, you know, as far as, you know, everything lobby led has kind of talked about in regards to him and, and, and the people who I know who have know Dan a little bit more um, than even I would, um, you know, really respect him from that nice mesh of analytics to realistic, real person coaching. I think he does a really nice job. Even, even I know it's, you know, it seems silly, but even um, Joe talking uh, when Ottman made his debut debut or, or in between the benches, it might've been John G and no, and he was talking about just Muse going over and, and, and picking up Ottman and congratulating him and telling him to relax. You know, I think he has a nice, Nice kind of in between there, um, being that you know, you see, he's 41, so he's a little bit younger. And then with Pekka and Housley, I mean, you know, Pekka was a great NHL player, right? And it's kind of, I think, really coming to his own. He's that kind of guy, him and Housley, I think, are like almost perfect assistant coaches. And that's not an insult to anybody else, but there are guys out there who I think are great assistants and maybe not so much great head coaches. And I think we're seeing that, especially with Housley, um, mm-hmm. you know, his, his respect obviously is a, a borderline hall of fame player. Right. Uh, but also just what they're bringing as far as, you know, look, look at, I mean, look, it's ticky tacky stuff, but Pekka with the face off stuff, right. I mean, how much better they've been in that department and that stuff matters. So with the assistant coaches being able to trust and delegate to different guys in different roles, whether that's a little bit more skill specific in a Pekka scenario or a little bit maybe more systematic specific in a Dan Muse scenario. Um, I think it's a nice balance of both worlds and, and I think it's important. And I think it's great that people know the assistant coaches too. Uh, it's not just one guy barking out the orders. It can't just be one voice uh, as someone who does it right 
if it's the same guy, if it's me talking the whole time and telling Rob or JL here, you know, what to do all the single time, and it's not assistants, uh, you know, kind of chiming in and maybe you know, a different voice, a different perspective, I think it works. So uh, I really liked it. I, I, I honestly am a huge fan of their staff. I'm always trying to trying to uh, lip read a little bit when they when they zoom down to the bench the best I can. But uh, yeah, really really thrilled with their staff this year. I hope they can keep them together as long as they can. I could see some of those guys getting picked off at some point, but we'll we'll, we'll approach that when we get there. Right. Yeah, I was going to say both Pekka and Muse. Like you said, Housley had a shot earlier. I think he was Buffalo's coach a couple of seasons ago. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Correct. Yeah. But Pekka and Housley, uh, Pekka and Muse certainly seem like the types of guys that you know they're they're kind of like the right age. Like you said, they have maybe a little bit more of a of a modern approach, but um, they kind of they blend that with more traditional coaching style. Yeah, I could certainly see that. Um, I wanted to maybe just drill down on, um, you know, what's going on now, right? So, so JL and I shared about ten minutes up on the bridge between periods uh, of the Vancouver game this past week, which was which was an ugly one, to be fair. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't think the team played bad, but. Um, clearly the chances they gave up were so noticeably wide open that, yeah. you know, even, even the most, you know, and, and, you know, I know you like to joke about this Connell, right? Like the reason you don't go on Twitter very much is because a lot of the, uh, commentary from the peanut gallery is a little bit, uh, <laughs> you know, maybe below your, your, your level at this point as a coach, but yeah, I, I call what it is. Yeah. <laughs> even, even the peanut gallery would notice like, okay, these were massive, massive defensive breakdowns by the Rangers. Right. And, and that has been happening with some frequency and, and something that, you know, Rob Luker and I have mentioned and not really gotten a lot of pushback, which is interesting is then you don't have the elite goaltending right now to back it up. You're getting, you know, decent goaltending from both Igor and quick, but they're not standing on their heads or, or keeping those huge chances out of the net. Mm-hmm. So um, from your perspective, what's crept into their game lately? And if you were a coach, how would you fix it? If you were yeah, the coach? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, it's a good question. Look, it's it just, I, I just, I'm a, I'm a pretty honest coach. So I just think that's, that's the perfect, uh, uh, kind of synopsis. I think me and you were, were messaging back and forth in the group chat earlier this week where, you know, there's a trickle down effect. I know we're going to touch on that, um, a little bit, uh, with, with, with injuries. I think that just wears on guys and, and some guys probably playing more than they should be. Uh, and I also think they look, I have to step back and remind myself as a pretty intense and very vocal coach myself, I sometimes need to take a step back and breathe and say, hey, you know what? They are human beings. We've been playing a lot of hockey. And, and that's the exact same thing at the NHL level, too. I think there's that little bit of a lull, that Christmas break, all-star break, bye week or not far. A lot of guys are probably, hey, let's just you know, grind this out and, and get through it. And then we'll kind of really be in the stretch run. But, yeah, a little bit too loose. I, I think um, – you know, look, I think we know that Fox is banged up, but him being their most offensive guy and probably not being at the top of his game, I think is really actually opening up the defensive side of things too. Uh, I think you're seeing mm-hmm. some guys, whether it's uh, I've had, I, I, I will happily admit I, I'm not as big of a fan as Keandre Miller as 99% of Rangers Twitter. Um, and we can get into that if you want, but you know, him, Schneider, even Goss has struggled at times here. Um, as far as looking like they're trying to get a little bit more in the rush, and Laviolette has admitted that, right? He wants them to be a little bit more aggressive, but I think they've really subjected themselves to a lot of odd man situations, right? I think we've seen that a lot coming in. You talk about, you know, the expected goals or whatever it is. I mean, over, you know, the other night against Vancouver, uh, a lot of great A's, right? A lot of great mm-hmm. A's. And I think that's forcing the issue a little bit too much. Um, you know, for me, 
if I'm coaching and I'm looking at the back end in specific here, because I think the forward group, yeah, could they do a better job at certain times? Do we need some reinforcements? Absolutely. But and you got the talent you have up there with some of those guys. Sometimes I tell my D, hey, you just got to make a damn pass, right? You just got to make a first pass and get out of the zone. And, and you got the mm-hmm. forward group up top to, to take care of business. So I'd like to see a little bit more simplicity out of the Rangers, D. Not, I don't want to necessarily pull back the reins, but now they're almost to a point where I feel um, they're sinking down on pucks so hard in the O-zone. They're, they're really trying to uh, get involved in the rush as, as F4, as we'd call it to a point now that I think they're opening themselves up too much. And so I would say, hey, if I'm in the video session, if I'm used or any of those guys, I'm saying, hey, let's just reset and look at the beginning of the season. Right now, let's focus on, you know, whether it's good gaps, good touches, good retrievals, and a good first pass. And, and look, and that's frankly a conversation I would have with my D. You know, you, you do have to have different conversations with different players. I said, hey, you know, look, we we know Igor is our guy, but he's – it hasn't hasn't been on his game, and he knows that, and we know that, so we need to help him. You know what I mean? That would be kind of my message to the team right now is a little bit more simplicity. Uh, Panarin's going to be able to do what he does, right? Uh, you know, I think Mika and Kreider leave something to be desired at five on five, but they'll be able to do what they do when a push comes to shove. So, mm-hmm. you know, I would want to see a little simplicity here uh, from the defenseman. I mean, even Fox, you know, to me, if you're still banged up and he's clearly fighting something, um, you know, I'd say, hey, man, I don't need you to be a hero tonight. I just need you to be efficient. We're going to get it here. and Let's help out Igor and let our forwards help us out there. And then the offense will eventually come back. And then you build up confidence, right? It's a huge part of it to kind of build your confidence back up and kind of reset a little bit. I think that's kind of what they need here. Just a little bit of a reset, just kind of a reminder of what it's supposed to look like uh, in regards to, you know, maybe earlier in the season when everything seemed to be going in their direction. Right. And now there's a little bit more pushback and the mistakes are, are getting punished a little bit more. So I would like to see that specifically uh, with the D for sure. And then, you know, if I'm shifting that to the forward group, you know, I'm talking about uh, Ozone. I'm not worried with the Rangers. Uh, when they get in the Ozone, I think they're I'm as confident as I've ever been rooting for a Ranger team in my mm-hmm. life. Um, it's really just getting there, right? And, and I know this is so cliche, but, you know, I for for I, I, I time out real quick. JL, you can edit this out. Can we curse on this or no? I kind of forget. Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay, no, we're, okay. we're fine. Okay. All right, I'll go three, Fire two, away. Yeah, three, two, one, back into it. You know, for lack of a better turn, like, get the fucking puck north. Like, there is, you know, even the laugh turnover the other night, and laugh was buzzing. Might have been his best game. I think he played as a Ranger the other night. But mm-hmm. sometimes, you know, those little interacts attacking middle to get the defenseman off the walls, putting pucks into space. The Rangers, I think, could do a better job of that. I think we've seen a little bit of that east-west kind of overpassing that we've seen in the past from them. Uh, especially in the neutral zone. And when you're D, you're fighting it, your goalie, you're fighting it, but you know you're maybe the best team in the NHL once you're in the O zone. I'm saying, guys, what are we doing here? Like, just even if you got to put it behind, it doesn't mean, you know, Panarin's going to do what he does, but like everybody else should be like, hey, chip it behind and go. Chris Kreider, you're, you're a horse. Just chip it behind him and, and win a race, not even a dump. Right? I don't need it all the way below the goal line. Just make that defenseman turn. I think the Rangers could do a better job as far as that goes and just clean up their entries because I think they're really losing games with failed exits and failed entries over the last kind of month or so. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's it's trickling down to where you see a lot of those odd man rushes, right? The failed breakout pass, the one too many cue passes in the neutral zone. Now it's a three on two. And we've seen the Rangers give up a lot of rush opportunities, right? And I believe the analytics and stats back that up. Um, I think it's because there's a little bit too much going on 
you know, when I talk neutral zone, I'm talking top circle to top circle, kind of extend that out. I think sometimes, mm-hmm. and I just want to make sure everybody knows that when I'm talking about that uh, with a, you know, a neutral zone four check versus an ozone four check, that's kind of what you're considering as a neutral zone, especially on regroups and whatnot. So that area of the ice needs to get cleaned up. I think if they clean that up and get just a little bit more simple, I think then the confidence comes back into the game to, to make maybe a little bit more of a high level play. But right now they're fighting a little bit. And it's that lull and whatnot. So just like to see a couple of those adjustments. And I, I think they'll be, they'll be fine. Yeah. Jay, I want to bring you into the conversation here. Cause you, you, you know, you and I talked about that. It's a lull, right? I mean, this team started uh, 18, four and one, and I, I might be pulling that number out of my ass a little bit, but I, I think that was the number. I know they're eight, seven and one in their last 16 games. Um, what did you see from you were, you were just a couple sections over from me in the blue seats. We were both at the game. Um, you know, what did you see as well from, you know, from the Rangers and what have you seen, uh, lately that, that, you know, thing you think needs to be cleaned up and, and kind of get them back on track here. Right. Well, first, uh, Connell, thank you for coming on. Uh, it, this guy is a beaut in person. Uh, I met him at a Ranger devil game last season. This dude is the best. Like there's so much energy coming out of this guy. It's great. Like, I don't even know why I'm even here. I could just listen to this guy talk hockey all day. <laughs> You gotta, so, you gotta um, cut me off because I, I have a tendency <laughs> to talk. So it's good. Well, when you, some, when you talk, it's, otherwise I'm just talking to myself, which, which happens most days. So, or sometimes well, it feels like it when I'm talking to my players, it feels like I'm talking to myself. So, well, the way you talk about hockey is the way I talk about the Mets. But thank you for coming on. We appreciate you uh, on the blog and 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 a lot of the stuff that you contribute. Um, as far as the Rangers' performance goes, uh, the thing that I noticed the most, and you alluded to this already, Connell. Now, I'm no expert relative to you or really a lot of people. Um, I try to analyze the game a little bit more in a sense of like a strategy sense. I'm trying to learn, you know. Um, and one of the things I noticed, and you could correct me if I'm wrong, is that one of the things I've noticed lately, and I saw this a lot in the Vancouver game, um, and they actually ended up doing it a lot more after our conversation, Rob. The defensive zone uh, breakouts, they were getting intercepted a lot at the blue line. Mm-hmm. I noticed they were trying to make a lot of stretch passes through the middle. And I noticed, and maybe this is just me, I noticed that there wasn't really a third, you know, def- uh, third forward back to really kind of support that kind of play. It just kind of seemed like they were trying to zoom through the neutral zone, do the old Gerard Gallant or Elaine Vigneault and just run through the neutral zone and just do that stupid chip play that goes off the boards that never worked like 95% of the time. Again, I could be wrong. You correct me, please feel free to do so if I am. But I just noticed that their defensive zone uh, exits were really bad. Uh, They were turning a lot of pucks over into the corners. Um, Not that they weren't aggressive, but Vancouver seemed to have like a little bit of an extra step uh, they were just kind of, you know, making a lot of careless little passes here and there. They never really had much sustained pressure in the offensive zone. Vancouver was really uh, getting those, those second chances, you know, or limiting them rather. Uh, a lot of turnovers in the corner, I noticed too. So the one of the things that this team does very, has done very well, or at least has done a lot better last season when they're on, is the, is the cycle down low. And, you know, LaViolette really alluded to that, you know, that he was going to try and, you know, if you don't work hard down low, it's not going to work. And when they were on, they were completely and totally outpossessing everybody from, you know, from what I saw. 
And just from, you know, my fan point of view and, and trying to analyze it a little more, um, they've kind of gotten away from that. The only line that's really doing that as much is the Panarin, Trocek, Lafreniere line. Uh, they're just moving it down low a lot. And obviously Adam Fox definitely helps with that. They were in a bit of a lull kind of sort of when he was out because they didn't have that defenseman that could kind of move around. It seems like a lot of the defensemen are kind of scared to move the puck around and kind of get in deep. And then when they do, it's on a miscommunication and that results in a turnover the other way. Like I was at the, um, I was at the Carolina game, uh, which was just an absolute disaster. And there was one play in particular that I noticed it was a miscommunication. It was the Gustafson uh, turnover into the corner, or it might have been Schneider. I can't really remember too much. Too yeah, well now, but Igor went to go hand it to Schneider. And, and, yeah, and yeah. Zabanajad and Zibanejad was there, and he didn't really know what to do. And then the the um, Hurricane forward was just able to pick it and, and pop it into the back of the net. So it's it's from what I'm seeing, it's it's a lot of the little things that they're seemingly just kind of, you know, you see them. They're trying to generate offense while simultaneously trying to play solid defense, uh, or at least lockdown defense, because you talked about, Rob, earlier that, you know, first 10 games it was completely locked down. And then when they decided to go on that heater um, after the Nashville game, it kind of like, you know, they were getting away with the little things, but they were still able to, you know, basically with the skill that they have, you know, beat teams and beat them either handily or able to pull out wins that they, you know, that they really didn't expect them to win. So, I, and also, if you really want to look into it, you know, it's this has probably been a big co- topic of conversation on Twitter. And obviously, this is going to go out the day that the Rangers play St. Louis. So, one's hoping that uh, uh, Capo Caco comes back. Now, obviously, also the Philip Heal injury definitely hampered this team significantly because you're basically, you know, Philip Heal was probably one, you know, developed into one of the better centers of this team, you know really good defensively in his own zone, holds the puck. He's very mature, very confident at this age in his career. And when you lose that and then you start throwing Nick Benino out there on the third line, not if, nothing, no, no offense to Nick Benino. I think Nick Benino is a good hockey player for the role that he plays. Fourth line can win you a draw every so often. You can play him seven to ten minutes a night maybe and just kind of get that you know, defensive aspect from that. And they were doing that very well at the beginning of the season. Penalty killing too. He's a great penalty killer. Right. And he's a great penalty killer. So when you have him with Goodrow and VC, I mean, that's probably, probably one of the better fourth lines that we've seen outside of like Boyle, Dorsett, Carcillo and Dominic Moore. At least I thought it was at least. So I, I just think that there's a, the vibes are still there, and I think a lot of that kind of did get them through it. Also, just the raw skill that this team has. But now you're beginning to see that it's kind of, you know, like you said, the breaks are not going their way. And now this is the time where they either need to kind of shift a little bit of how they play to compensate for what they're missing, or this team ultimately needs reinforcements. And it could be both. You know, they need another center that's not Nick Benino. You're not going to put Barclay Goodrow up there because he's definitely regressed. He's not as bad as everybody says he is. But he's definitely regressed in many areas on the ice. So you need someone who can drive a little bit more play. And, you know, obviously you talk about the topic of, you know, who's going to play a right wing on, you know, Kreider and Spanajad's line. I feel like that's been a topic of discussion that's been endless since Frank Vetrano or the the departure of Bichnevich. So Mm -hmm. while it's not the end of the world, you know, they can fix it. And, you know, like you guys alluded to, LaViolette has done a phenomenal job. And, and, and like you mentioned, Connell, 
I was so blown away. I was in the game in Buffalo, the first game of the season, and I was expecting Buffalo to run through us or it was going to be kind of like a, you know, back and forth or like a really tight game. And the Rangers dominated that whole game consistently without a doubt. And it was nice to see because it was such a refreshing change from a couple months prior when I was in Buffalo again and uh, they lost in overtime with the turnover at the blue line against Keandre Miller and Jeff Skinner scored the game winner. It was just a two completely contrasting uh, play styles and it was really nice to see. So uh, I think they'll be fine. You know, we could talk about Igor a little bit if that gets brought up, but um, I won't. I won't bring it up now. But um, you know, it's it's just that part of the season they're just kind of slipping a little bit. But you know, I think I don't know if it was you that mentioned in the chat, Rob, or somebody else mentioned in the chat. And please feel free, please correct me. Um, so I think it might have been you or someone else mentioned that Vegas went two six and two at one point during like a stretch, and they ended up winning the Stanley Cup. So. Yeah. I'm not I'm not overtly concerned at the way that this team is playing. It's just you just don't like to see it as a fan, you know? Yeah, well, no, look, every team goes through a stretch like this. The only team really in recent memory that hasn't is last year's Bruins. And and they were, you know, they had got, got such phenomenal goaltending over 82 games that any bad games they did play were completely covered up by Allmark or Swayman and you know, those guys look a little bit more human this year. I think Olmark actually just got injured in, in his last game. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, look, it's, it's, it's just not an easy, it's not an easy sport, right? I mean, uh, and, and it's not an easy league. There's, there's a ton of parody, you know, I, I think people, uh, underestimate, you know, whether it's the salary cap or just the way that, 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 that scouting and analytics work now, like the, the, the difference between these teams is not very much, you know, it really isn't. And, you know, that's why, um, you know, that, that's why basically, and it's been this way, you know, really since the lockout, if you get into the playoffs and I mean the first lockout, the Oh, four Oh five lockout, any team that gets in the playoffs has a legitimate chance to win. Right. So, um, you know, certainly I would consider the Rangers contenders and, and I think that their record bears that out. I think that they're, um, you know, they don't have the best underlying numbers, but they're good enough the power play and penalty kill are excellent. Uh, I think we all expect the goaltending to come around, especially in March and April when things really get serious. Um, but that said, uh, Connell, I want to frame this question to you in a very specific way. And it's going to come off as negative, but you know, I, I apologize for that, but I think it's a, an interesting way to discuss it. What is one reason uh, that you think this team won't win a championship. Like if you did, if, and it could be personnel, it could be uh, whatever. What's one reason, what's one thing that's holding them back from being a, a Stanley cup winner? Yeah, for sure. I think right now, I think their, their bottom six depth uh, is hurting. I, I'll be honest. I don't think it's been talked enough. Like I know we've talked about adding a, a seventh D I'm at the point of adding somebody who I think could play. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think Braden Schneider has struggled immensely, um, to the point that I think you need more than insurance of, uh, uh, of a Justin Braun who could do it if you need to, but really like, I would want someone who really would push him a little bit more uh, in, in, in my opinion. Um, and, and to me, it's that bottom six scoring depth right now mixed with maybe that third pair that would, that would, 
make me hesitant. I would put, you know, when healthy uh, with with the Rangers top six or whatever you want to call it, and you put Fox and, and really whoever else you want there. I, I take that all day long with Igor and Net, but I think they need some depth there. I think it's been very very apparent over the last little while here uh, to really force some guys down the lineup, you know, and mm-hmm. force a. You know, I love Will Cooley. We've talked about him, you know, in the chat a lot. Uh, he's my kind of hockey player. But to put him in a position to succeed, can he do it on the first line with, with Mika and Kreider? Maybe. But I'd rather have somebody who is a little bit more experienced there and is uh, knows that role a little bit better and allow him to kind of be that perfect third-line player in today's NHL. I think that's what he is right now. And push some guys down the lineup. I think it's it's really needed and. And look, Goodrow hasn't been good. Um, he just hasn't. He's noticeably slower. I think he's just mm-hmm. certainly getting hampered by that. And we, so we've talked Benino and, and all these guys and uh, whoever the – I can't even pronounce the guy's name they called up. Who, Lashushkin? I don't no, know. Lashishin. Lashishin, yeah. right? So, like, Lashishin. you know, yeah. push comes to shove. That guy can't be anywhere near your your fourth line when, when you're competing for a Stanley Cup. So, their depth, and, and in my opinion, I don't think it gets talked about enough. I think their depth on the blue line, too, is something I would have some concern about if it's not addressed. Uh, I'm a Drury fan. I was a fan of Drury when he played. Once again, my kind of hockey player. Um, but, you know, I'll trust him to do the right things here. But if those weren't addressed, I would certainly have that, that concern-o-meter, that, that panic-meter, whatever you want, certainly go a little bit higher to me because I think their depth's an issue right now. Yeah, you know, and, and I don't know. I, I obviously am only guessing here, but there were certain guys earlier in the year that I felt, you know, even as the team was playing well overall Mm -hmm. that struggled with the system. Right. And, and I'm using that term nebulously because sure. You know, it's, it's not just one thing that he's asking them to do, but you know, just adjusting to the style, right. It's a different style of hockey than under Gallant, which was, I think is fair to say a little bit more freewheeling player friendly. Um, I thought Fox struggled. I thought Jimmy Vesey struggled early, but has picked it up and played really well lately. Although yeah. he was noticeably bad against Vancouver, but whatever, you know, it's one game. Um, I had a thought Braden Schneider too. I thought he, his first five games, he looked like he had no idea where he yeah. was supposed to be at any point. And I thought then he got better, but to your point, Connell, I think he's dipped again and, and that might be affecting Gustafson because Gustafson, as we saw, you know, his, his first 20 games were like, I mean, he was almost at a point a game. I know Fox yeah. was out. So he, he was playing some first power play and, and you know, he, he just was in on up, up with the top lines a lot more, but um, I think he's dragging Gustafson down. And, and I don't think I would agree with you. I don't think it's the worst idea. If you could get a six defenseman, maybe, maybe Schneider becomes your seven, or at least it's a competition for that spot. Yeah, I, You're right. I don't, people haven't talked about that a lot. Yeah. It's just something that I've just noticed. And I, Schneider just seems like an, awesome kid right he really does so like you 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 gotta make sure and it's something that as i get older in this in the in the business that i am you gotta separate the person from the player sometimes when you're when you're making hard decisions but it's something that's just more and more and more uh uh becoming apparent to me i think his struggles um and and he's certainly had his pockets i think his entire career so far he's been a very up and down as far as, man, his good games, like, you know, he'll be there. He's not going to be an offensive guy at this level. But, you know, he's had his moments of, of real strength. And then I think he's had his moments when he's looked bad. He's looked really bad. And I think there's been a lot, a lot more bad than good this year to me. 
And I think, yeah, even if it's someone, like you said, competing for that six, seven spot, at least to push him a little bit, I think would be, would be important. And, and look, he's still very young, right? His career is not going to get derailed if, if he, you know, if the Rangers make a run to the cup, so they play 20, 25 games and he only plays 14 of them. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. His career is not going to be over. It's okay. He'll be, he'll be fine. Um, But I, I think, We've talked about it. This team is built to win now, so I don't give a shit about anybody's feelings, to be honest. Uh, I think it's bring a guy. Look, he hasn't been brought up, and I don't think it'll ever work money-wise. Like, Chris Tano's the exact guy I'm thinking of right now. That Mm -hmm. would be my dream scenario. He just makes too much money, and they need a center, and the center should be the priority. It has to be, um, especially with with Heedle. That has to be priority number one. So unless something crazy happened with a third team involved, but I think Tanev probably is going to be too wanted by too many teams, but that's the kind of guy I think, and would also help, I think, release Augustusson a little bit more too, again, to have a little bit more of that stability back there. And, you know, a guy like Tanev too, I know he's all blocking shots and losing teeth, but his analytics are actually, his, his numbers, his, the stats back it up. He's actually a very effective hockey player. So I'd love someone like that. That's the dream case scenario. I'm not, I don't know anything, anybody don't, don't don't hold a gun in my head on that, but yeah, just something I think they need to kind of uh, think about a little bit more. And I think I'm sure Drury is. I'm sure he is. So I'm not I'm not doubting that at all. Yeah. All right. So last one, I want to ask you about one more thing, then we'll get to the questions, JL. So if you want to pull those up, but mm-hmm. Connell, give me sixty seconds on Keandre Miller because I think I, look, like you said, he is a player that. Look, he's easy to root for, and I and I like him too. I think I see the athleticism. Oh yeah, and you know, and and the the there are games where he does look like the best player on the ice, and there are games where he actually does play very good defense. But um, I, I want to hear from you because it's something that you know we've talked about a lot, and you know, you know, you're in a minority here, but you know, what are the issues in his game, and you know what would you like to see him improve upon? Because, you know, look, uh, clearly they're not going to replace him in the lineup, right? It's one no. thing to replace Braden Schneider. You're not going to take Keandre Miller out of the lineup at this point uh, or, or, or trade him. I, at least I don't think so. Uh, stranger things have happened, but you know, what is it about Miller that bugs you and, and what would you like to see him improve upon? Yeah, for sure. I'll, honestly, I think the perfect comparison and it's in a different position, but it's on the same team is probably the frustrations I had with Chris Kreider when he was young. Um, I, I don't think Miller, uh, uh, has, he is just pure athlete. I mean, like you said, there's games where I'm like, and this was Chris Kreider back in the day where he would have a game. You're like, how the hell is this guy? Not the best player in in the world. Like, it's like all the skills are there. All he skates like the wind. He's got reach. He has maybe one of the, he does when he uses it effectively, he has one of the best sticks in the NHL as far as breaking up plays. I never see him as a guy who's going to be a crazy offensive player because I think my biggest issue with him is his reads. And he's probably the biggest culprit as far as I could think of right now um, in regards to him. Well, as I would call it sinking the zone, but like pinching on the blue line, maybe in a more basic term, right? He just sinks and goes down and and pulls himself out of position. and, And I think he just really, struggles at times to process the game in front of him. He's so big and he's so talented. He has a tendency to skate himself into bad situations. And I know that doesn't get talked about a lot, but he's, he's so, he's such a good skater that sometimes, Hey, like slow down and look around you. Um, Mm. He really frustrates me and he pulls himself out of position defensively constantly in the D zone. 
uh, it's very frustrating. I was at that. Uh, I've been a couple games this year. Uh, I was actually, I've been to more away games than, than in-person games. I've seen a game at, at the rock and I was in Philly at the black Friday game. And I think I messaged it in the group. Like I thought he was awful that game and he mm. just, yeah, he just, he gets way too extended in his own zone. He, his reads when to pinch, when to have a good gap or not always there. So look, he's a guy I, I'm not in a million years. Am I getting rid of him right now? But uh, you know, he's a guy I could see like Chris Kreider who finally kind of put it all together when he was like, what, 27, 28. Like, yep. He was a little bit of a late bloomer. I see Miller a lot of that. I see a lot of that in Miller in a different position, in a different role, where I could see him really his best years being like, you know, 27 to 32, unlike, you know, maybe, you know, some guys might be a little bit younger, maybe 28 to 33. He just kind of puts it all together. So probably went longer than 60 seconds, but <laughs> it's not that I dislike Tryon J. Miller. He just, as a coach, he frustrates the living hell out of me because I think he could be so much better than he is and he just doesn't do it on a consistent basis and to me all that tells me is that's a mental thing uh it's reading mm -hmm. the game it's the mental capacity to do it on a consistent basis um you know Chris Kreider was the exact same way so yeah uh, it'll it'll come I, I think I hope it'll come at some point I think the coaching he's getting is probably the best he's had in his career in that aspect so I hope that impacts it but yeah, he just – it's not that I dislike the kid. I think he's just an absolute great – by all accounts, a great human being, right? So I want to root for him. He just frustrates me more than I dislike him. That's more of my, my statement. He frustrates me a lot. Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. And, yeah, I mean, look, Kreider is uh, – I, I could see exactly what you were saying uh, about Kreider too where and, – and, you know, you fall in love with the flashes. and yes. then there, But the rest of the substance of the game is – might be lacking in certain areas. I mean, the thing with the, that made Kreider what he is today is he really simplified, right? He's a net front yep. guy. Um, as you said, you know, when he's going five on five, he, he, it's a little chip past the defenseman and he wins, wins a race, uh, initiates the four check. You know, that's what he does. He's actually got a lot of assists this year, Kreider, which is, mm -hmm. which is also a, I think an indicator of a guy who's really rounded out the, you know, mental side of the game now. And what is this year 12 or 13 for him? So it does take time. Um, Awesome. All right. Well, JL, if you if you want, if you could pull up the questions from Twitter, I think we have three of them to get to. Um, yes, sir. That is correct. Let's do it. All right. So first question comes from a guy who is relatively unknown. That's a good David Shapiro. Uh, <laughs> hi, Dave. Um, he's going to chirp at me when he hears this. Uh, so he uh, he asks, asks, sorry, I, my Brooklyn accent came out there. Uh, oh, sure. Where? Where and why do the Rangers really miss Kako in the lineup? What is it about his game with minimal points offense makes him a key piece to the forward balance and depth? Who wants to say it? Rob, you want to go first? Um, I, I mean, yeah, look, I'll, I'll do kind of a quick, you know, overview, but I think, you know, certainly Dave is, uh, is hoping to hear your, your more in-depth thoughts on this one, Connell. I mean, look, He's a guy, I think, that that has uh, developed a really strong defensive game. You know, I, I think, Donald, you've actually been very, um, uh, you know, uh, helpful in, in understanding why maybe the offense hasn't come. And it's, you know, it's decision-making, hesitating with the puck, hand positioning, right? Very kind of like minute things in the offensive zone, but important things that have, you know, kind of limited his ability to score goals. Um, you know, whereas he, he kind of had more time on bigger ice as a younger player. Um but I really like his defensive game. I think, again, the analytics bear it out with him. And um, 
he's just a strong possession player. Now, look, uh, would you like that to see that possession go somewhere? Yes, of course. You know, you, like endlessly holding the puck in the offensive zone isn't always the right thing to do when, you know, there is an opportunity to make make a pass or, or just move the puck and move yourself to kind of keep the, the you know, keep the, the action going. But um, I mean, look, at this point, whether, I know he only has three points in 20 games. He is a massive upgrade over anybody in the bottom six, right? I mean, once you tick off the, the top really five players in the lineup, you know, maybe, you know, Jimmy Vesey falls in that line, sixth in this ranking, right? But Kreider's a Banajad, Panarin, Trocek, Laugh. Everybody else is, is I would say, an inferior hockey player to Kako. And the Rangers just mm-hmm. need, you need better hockey players in the lineup playing more minutes. And it might be just be as simple as that. It's probably going to take them a couple weeks to get up to speed. But I would imagine that that first line right wing job is his until the trade deadline. And that will be his evaluation period. At which point, you know, obviously pending the Heedle news, Drury and company will decide whether or not to add, uh, if possible, it's a top six right wing uh, to play with Kreider and Zibanejad. So um, I just think he's a good player. I think he's obviously got, I think he's got good instincts in all three zones. Um, I don't think the offense will ever come, but, but that's kind of neither here nor there because, um, you know, I, I think the defensive side of the puck is, is, is more what's lacking right now anyway. Yeah, for sure. Much of the same. I think I've been pretty adamant from pretty much that first season I saw him exactly what he's going to be is I think what he was last year I, I I've been saying for lack of a better term since kind of the get-go poor man's Rick Nash uh, he reminds me a lot of Nash Nash's defensive game never got enough credit uh, he was exceptional in the defensive zone look at any of those big games from 20 you know 12 13 when he came in all the way kind of to the end he was always in some sort of mishmash on the ice in big situations defensively just as much of offensively. And I think that 40 to 50 point threshold will probably be the most he gets. Uh, I could see him maybe having one big year, but no, look, his, his poise to the puck very clearly opens up, you know, Kreider and Mika. And that's a huge part that's missing here. I think he has maybe next to uh, all rounded awareness. I think with the puck Panarin is obviously just remarkable, but all-rounded awareness, I think he's the smartest defensive forward the Rangers have as far as being able to, and what I mean by that is being able to put himself in position not only to break up a play defensively, but being able to transition that into the offense. That's why his analytics are so good, not because he just breaks up one pass and it's done. It's breaks up a pass or whatever it might be or good positioning to release other players. So they miss him sorely. Um, Look, if he wasn't a, you know, if he wasn't a second overall pick, like people wouldn't be all on his ass so much. And and I get it. You, you absolutely want more out of that, but that's what he is. And I don't, I think a big important part of having a successful NHL career, really anything is understanding who you are and what you do. Well, Um, I think that's a reason why a guy like him could stick in the NHL for a long time, just because of his smarts and how he plays the game. Uh, and, And look, it's, it's an interesting comparison. They're different style of players, but I mean, it clearly, I mean, call it 20 hindsight's 2020 right but you know a guy like Jesper Fast is is a guy who you know everybody can say what they want you can't overpay for him and all that and I get it I get there's money involved into business and the analytics and the cap and everything like that but you know Capo you know kind of has that same sense when you when you look at that top line and there was a reason when Fast was in New York everyone wanted to play with him right mm-hmm. like Panera wanted to play with him Mika wanted to play with him Kreider liked to play so 
I think it's that same effect. I think Taco's one of those guys who's just um, I'm a I'm I'm a, I'm a I'm a football fan. I'm a soccer fan. So like you know, he's just one of those guys who's never going to get the glory, but like just like a perfect center defensive midfielder in soccer, right, Rob? Mm-hmm. Like that yep. just is able to be that middle ground to transition from defense and offense is never going to have the bicycle kick goal is never going to have, you know, the crazy assist season or taking all the set pieces, but is an integral part of transitioning from defense to offense. And that team going back to my opening rant, when I talked about the neutral zone, that's where you really miss him. His ability to be able to carry get through the neutral zone, put it to an area, and then start opening up, which is the best part of the Rangers game right now, which is the offensive zone, right? So mm-hmm. uh, it's all areas of the game. His IQ is through the roof, and and yeah, they miss him. It sounds like he's close. Um, look, I'll say this. If, he, if there's any hesitation, I'm not throwing him back to the Wolves in a game against St. Louis tomorrow night. If he needs a couple extra days, I'm giving it to him. It's an out-of-division, out of uh, out-of-conference opponent. I'm not worried about it. But, uh, but yeah, uh, it's kind of you know my feelings on, on Kako, and uh, he is – the absolutely perfect, you know, top six winger who knows his role, who's, in my opinion, can help you win a championship without necessarily putting up 30, 40 goals, something like that. Yeah. And also just to to kind of, you know, close on that, like, you know, first of all, the Nash thing, I remember, I, I think it's the last goal he ever scored as a Ranger. He intercepted a breakout pass or playing the LA Kings. I was at the game. Mm-hmm. And he like knocked the puck out of him. Maybe it wasn't his last goal. I'm sorry, but it was it was that season, his last season. He like knocked the puck out of midair, like at the at the at the blue line, and went in kind of like on a semi break and just ripped one over the goalie's shoulder. Like you know, and that's what well, Kako might be missing that ability to kind of beat a goalie clean, right? But um, he's definitely picking off lots of passes. Uh, you know, like you said, in the neutral zone, initiating the offense. So yeah, no, couldn't agree more. Um, JL, anything to add, or do you want to get to the next question? Uh, just really brief. You guys touched on a lot of what I was thinking about. Uh, I really like to compare Kako to Jesper Foss. They didn't really think too much of the Nash comparison, but now that I think about it a little more, that's actually pretty on point. Um, I do think that Kako does have a little bit more offensive upside than what he currently has right now. I just think that, you know, just look, judging from just the way that he plays, he, you know, we saw how we saw what he could do when he was on the kid line, when he was able to make quick decisions, you know, um, in terms of generating offense, because that line for some period of time was actually really good, especially during the playoffs two years ago. So I think I, I think that Kako does have some sort of offensive pull to him. It probably won't turn out to be second overall kind of offense that we expected that we saw from like world juniors and all that. But I feel like the more he matures and the more he plays with top flight players like a Kreider and Zibanejad, that he could ultimately probably develop that a little bit more. The defensive game's already instilled in him. So I think that he could become like a Rick Nash light or even like a Jesper Foss with better hands, you know, cause he, he does very well with holding on to the puck. And uh, that first line definitely needs it. So you guys basically reiterated a lot of uh, what I had been thinking about. But I do like the Rick Nash comparison in that sense. So this question, our next question, comes from Mr. John Cougar, uh, Colleen Camp, at Bill Seussville. And he asks, uh, what's the best way to incorporate analytics into real-life coaching? Are there any metrics that people buy into but you think are a waste of time or vice versa? 
yeah, I guess I, I guess I could chime in there as, as someone who's, who, who does it, right? Uh, oh, that's you, yeah. That's yeah, that's all. You. Yeah, that's that's fair. Uh, yeah, so I mean, we use a program called Instat, which a lot of uh, a lot of leagues, a lot of teams use. As far as I can get just about any data I want on, on my team, uh, I'll say this: it impacts a lot of decision making in regards to rosters when putting together lines and stuff. I can't speak for the NHL level. I think it's going to be a case by case basis. Maybe that's a bit of a cop out answer, but. I don't want to overwhelm my players with all this data, you know, in certain circumstances. If a player comes in and wants to go through film and I say, hey, just so you know, like this is what we're we're seeing on the film and the data backs it up or maybe it doesn't. But it's 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 in the back of my mind constantly. I mentioned that I work for for Valaket's company, ClearSight Analytics for a year doing tracking. It certainly changed the way I think I approach some things. But it's not something that I'm throwing out to the guys any day on the game, any game day, uh, by any means. And I don't think that's happening a ton. No one's, Laviolette's not going into the room. You know, he might talk about scoring chances, but he's not going. You know, Kreider. You know, your your you know your Fenwick for that period was this, and we needed to be this. And it's just it's just not happening. It's just ne- it's never happening. It's never happening. It's never happening. So, you know, I, I think it's. It's in the it's in my mind a lot more. I think that stuff comes a lot more into a management standpoint rather than a a coaching standpoint as far as daily stuff goes. Certainly could back up some stats as someone who's not afraid to rip a kid if he's been bad. I'll use it to back that up sometimes. But um, you know, to me, it's in my mind probably a lot more than the players' minds. I'm sure some players can handle that more some players want more of that and other guys don't and it's a coach's job to know which ones who is he's going to bring up that those numbers within a conversation because i i know i have kids and i'm sure there's guys in the rangers right now who if they brought that stuff up their head would be spinning right and they'd be like what the i i just play hockey coach like what are you Mm -hmm. talking about you know and i get that a lot so Definitely in my mind, a lot. Definitely in our management side of things, a lot. Decision-making, a lot when it comes to the actual roster. As far as in-game stuff goes, I can't say it impacts a ton outside of maybe double-checking some things. And I will say at this point, I think my eye is trained enough to make sure to to, to kind of know what the stats are going to say. And I'd say 98% of the time they align with what I saw. So, Yeah, uh, it's is there is there I you know is there like one number or or thing that you've seen where you've just been like no that's total bullshit it's totally meaningless I'm not even gonna look at that or not or not really um sometimes in a game where I'm like maybe that didn't track properly or I gotta check the tape to see that because we have a, a you know a software you know a team with Instad with the software and stuff that does that sometimes I'm like man they had to mix up a number because I thought this guy was good or man I thought <laughs> that guy was terrible but maybe I need to reevaluate the tape. Right. Uh, Mm -hmm. And so I I wouldn't say it happens very often, especially as I go through seasons and seasons and more and more and more of this with the amount of hockey I'm around, I will say my eye, I feel like is trained enough at this point that it's usually, I just, I don't care if this is arrogant, it's usually right. So uh, uh, it's, it's something like that. So yeah, nothing crazy. I mean, I'd say a big one for me, I go back to it think from a coach's standpoint if there's one that i'm looking at during the game is you know if i want to pull something up you know certainly entries and exits i think it's a big mm-hmm. one for for us during the game i understand over the course of the season some of that stuff evens out but yeah that's that's a big one for me but during the game you're you're not, you're not dropping numbers on a bench to a kid because they're just gonna they're good their head's gonna spin uh, they they have a tr- they have trouble 
Uh, they have enough time uh, struggling to concentrate as it is. So I don't, I don't need to throw that out there. Too. <laughs> um, I guess, I guess maybe I can add this and please tell me if I'm wrong, but I think the best coaches are able to take that data that's given to them by the front office and finding a way to translate it to the players in different ways to make it easier so that, you know, whether it's through line combinations or whether it's through, um, you know, certain pairings or, you know, certain strategies on, 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 on the ice that, you know, creates that data that is, you know, being desired or uses the data that has been given to them. And it basically uh, supports, you know, a lot of what, you know, analytics or a lot of what certain teams and, and, and management types are looking for. So I think, you know, um, La Violette is probably pretty good at that at this point. Uh, yeah. The It seems as if he's got, you know, a, from, from previous stories about La Violette, you know, it seemed like he probably wasn't as receptive in the past, and maybe now it's gotten a little bit better, all things considered, looking at his assistance, and also just with the way the Rangers front office has decided to try and really integrate this, you know, fluidity within, you know, uh, you know, information and how they do things, because I guess that was one of the big things with Gallant, and, you know, you guys mentioned it with, uh, you know, Miller and Trocek saying that they're a lot more prepared, so I think the best coaches can take a lot of that mind-numbing information and just kind of simplify it for their players. So I, I hope I'm correct on that summation because from what you were talking about, Connell, I, I feel like that's what I'm getting from that. Yeah, 100%. You're spot on. That That's where it is. My job to, you know, and it's Laviolette's job. It's Mises' job. It's so those guys' job to, to try to take that information and then exactly translate that onto the ice. How can you translate that on the ice? Sure, you could – implement some practice stuff to kind of work on some areas that maybe aren't as good, but exactly. That's kind of what I meant more on the management side. It comes into a fact. It certainly, I think comes up in conversation in our coach's office a lot more when we're mm -hmm. putting together lines and Hey, this guy does this well. Okay. Last couple games, he's, he's, he's been really good in this area of the ice. What, what player compliments him uh, both, you know, what we're seeing in their analytics and their data as well. So yeah, exactly. That's where I kind of mix it in. So it's my job to understand. I always approach it as it's my job to understand it and take that in and then try to put that into a place where it puts everybody in position to succeed. Does it always work? Of course not. You know, there's sometimes as much as the analytics might say one thing, it just doesn't translate or, or vice versa. Uh, you know, so exactly. You know, you're spot on there. Oh, that's good to hear. I'm glad I'm getting something right. <laughs> so I'm glad, I'm glad that was able to support that. Yeah. So our final our final question comes from Sears, and this is uh, at underscore underscore sbrs underscore. And I actually think I was actually thinking about this question, and I'm so I'm glad that this uh, this user was able to uh, bring it up. Uh, your thoughts on making Kako a center next year? Oh, so let me and I think that's a really interesting question. Um, and Connell, I, I, I want to, I, I think it almost might be helpful to broaden it out, right? Like, is it, is it advisable? Is it, is it workable to turn a winger into a center? Now I, I want to sort of give a little bit of context to this because like, I think this is something that used to happen a lot more in hockey that doesn't happen as much. So like I'm thinking specifically, and I know you were born in 94 Connell. I was born nine years before that. Uh, so I have memories of the 94 Rangers and I'm, I'm a sick enough to have gone back and watched that team on YouTube and a lot of those playoff oh, yeah. games, especially. Right. 
Must but be they, nice. There was a lot more. <laughs> well, yeah, it was it was fun as a nine year old. Um, though my dad was on a business trip in Buffalo, so we could not celebrate together. Oh no. Um, yeah, yeah, he was away. Um, but uh, obviously thrilled that he got to see it. Uh, yeah. having lived lived through a lot more years of uh, of losing than me at that time. Um, but. Uh, I think about that team. There was a lot more positional fe- flexibility back then. Like uh, Nemchinov played wing and center. Kovalev played wing and center, right? Glenn Anderson played wing. And, like this happened a lot more. And now it's like, you know, and, and look, it didn't work, but like, it was so funny. It was like moving Heedle the wing and vice versa. And people were like, no, 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 he's a center. He's a center. Like you never would have thought of moving Derek step onto the wing. Like, it seems like there's less of that now. And I don't know, is that more of like a specialization thing, right? Like where kids are getting coached from U8 to just be center, just be defense, just be wing. Um, obviously, Keandre Miller is a is, is a, an unusual case because he converted from forward back to defense. But um, yeah, why doesn't this happen more, I guess, is the question. And then to the, to the Twitter question, would you consider making Kako a center? Because I really don't have an opinion on that. Like I, I would stray towards the no, but maybe that's just because it's not a thing that happens anymore. Yeah, I think you took the words out of my mouth with the specialization. I think I see it at lower levels of all sports. Uh, parents, if you're listening, you are ruining you new sports. So uh, I'll just, I'll just, I'll just, I'll leave it at that. Uh, the best thing that ever happened to youth sports was when COVID hit and the parents weren't allowed in. So um, and they kept doing stuff. So yeah, look, easier said than done. I'm a I'm in the opinion of I rarely say no to anything as far as suggestions go unless I think it's absolutely outlandish. So a lot of you said, yeah, the last guy I could really remember doing that and, and to his credit did it well was was Eliash. He 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 became a center a little bit later in his career, mm-hmm. maybe because he lost a little a little foot speed or whatnot. He could just be F three. But yeah, you certainly used to see a lot more of that flexibility. I mean, even going back Look, going back to the the thirteen fourteen team, I mean, you know, Dominic Moore and Brian Boyle are centers, yeah, right. Uh, but there is there is a little bit of flexibility there as far as you know what they could do. Marty San Luis could kind of do both. I think mm-hmm. I think the specialization is a huge aspect of it. Kids don't play enough multi sports. Kids stick with one position the entire time. Uh, I'll admit, you know, look, I'm at the junior level, so at that point, it's it's a bit higher up than than U twelve. But I certainly could be guilty of it. And, and anybody who even working as an advisor with, with my other company is, you know, kids say that. I said, look, flexibility is a good thing. I, I promote flexibility. I don't think I need a, uh, a specialty as far as some kid being, oh, I have to play left wing and I'm 13. I'm like, what are you doing to yourself? But uh, I'm open to the idea. I think it's a lot easier said than done. Um, and, and if Kako, like, if Kako was more in a position of almost what I talked about with Miller before, where – hey, the raw tools are there, but he screws this up. Maybe a change of pace would be good for him. Kako's so good at what he does when he's out there. I almost don't want to mess with that at this point. And, 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 you know, yes, they're pros. Yes, they're this. But, like, he is – I don't know. How old is Kako now? He's 23, 24, something like that. I mean, he has been doing one thing for a long time. It's a lot easier said than done to transition. Does he have the IQ to do it? Sure, but – you know, at the end of the day, I, I do like him where he's at. Um, and honestly, it's a, it's a great philosophical question that we could debate another time, Rob, where if it's our kids specializing in one position too early, I think they probably are. Um, yep. But, but, but yeah, I, easier said than done. I'm open to the conversation, but I would say 20, uh, you know, 
2080, you know, yes to no kind of there kind of thing. It's, I just don't see it really having a big impact in my opinion. Yeah. JL, what do you think? Would you be open to it? I think if he if he like got, if he like got a long-term issue, it's not the worst idea in the world. For sure. Short term, I think is maybe better than, than long-term. I think that's probably a great way of putting it. Not to, not to cut off JL there. I think for sure, if you need to put him in a spot, you know what I mean? Um, But yeah, Mm -hmm. but yeah, go ahead, JL. So I'm kind of, I'm kind of 50, 50 on it. Well, it's, you know, I was thinking about it. It's certainly not the worst idea. Um, you know, I mean, we, this is the same organization, obviously some, albeit some different people heading it up that thought putting Brendan Smith on the fourth line as a winger would work out. And to an extent it somewhat did, you know, it took a little bit of time, but you know, he wasn't being utilized the way that he should have. And, you know, we got some pretty decent results. He had some pretty sick goals as a forward. So, um, so why do I bring that up? Because, you know, obviously change of position. I think it's a little different for a defenseman to go up to forward rather than a forward going to the middle of the ice. Um, I think if you see, cause with this team currently right now, you see Chris Kreider taking face-offs. Obviously that's all strategy, you know, for the sake of where they are in the offensive zone and, and the type of play that they're running. But, you know, even like Lafreniere will take a couple of draws and they've, he's won a couple so if it got to a point where they needed to do it, where Kako could come in and take a couple of draws, and 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 a lot of people don't remember, Kako played some some center for the Finnish national team as they also tried with Vitali Kratsov as well, but that's a different story. Um, so, <laughs> sorry, sorry, yeah, no, no, sorry no, 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 I appreciate yeah. that because that, that's yeah. awesome that you did that. Yeah. Um, but. I feel like Kaka would be good at it defensively. I'm not entirely sure about the face-off aspect of it. That is just pure speculation on my part. And I have no basis on that whatsoever, just, just judging off of how he is. But, I mean, if you know, it's a lot different. I don't know how his possession in the corner, which is what his really his, one of his big strong suits are. It's like he has strong possession in the corner, kind of similar to how Yager would hold on to the puck, just relentless with it in the corner. But then he, you know, he's a good defensive player, but it's just kind of there's something missing there. You know, like you alluded to, you know, you know, Brian Boyle and and and, and Dominic Moore, where you can kind of see it. And 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 I'm probably just repeating exactly that you're everything that you're saying, but um I'm like 50-50 on it. I would, you know, and then I think about Pavel Pavel Bichnevich. You know, the St. Louis decided, oh, we're gonna try and put this guy down the middle, and I haven't really paid too much attention with it. Yeah, I don't know if that's still happening. It's a good point. They did try yeah. to move him with tender though late yeah. last year. Yeah, forgot about that. Yeah, that was rare. That that good, yeah. good on them for trying something because they were in a right. kind of in a rebuild too. Right. So I noticed that I saw him take a couple draws and it just it looked uncomfortable. And obviously, you know, like you know, like you guys alluded to, you know, you play in one position for so long that it's kind of you know wild. And I I remember real quick. You mentioned Martin St. Louis, and I just remember that season where I think it was the season uh, when they won the President's Trophy. Early on in the season, they had some injuries up front, and they didn't really have any reinforcements down in Hartford to kind of take the place of um, – I forget who it was that got hurt. It might have been either Stefan or Broussard. It might have been both, truth be told. But I remember one game, they stuck Martin St. Louis with Rick Nash at one point, which I thought was awesome. Hell you know, yeah. but. 
Um, but St. Louis is a freak of nature in his own right in a good way. Um, Kako being a center, I'm 50-50 on it. I wouldn't be against it, but I would be a little bit more in favor if the Rangers were still like rebuilding. But since they're since they're a contender, a serious Stanley Cup contender, I think they should just keep him where he's good at and then just find someone else to take that spot. Yeah, last yeah. thing I'll chime in on there is that if you were mad about Kako's offense now, you'll be even more mad if he's a center. So <laughs> Exactly, yeah. So dude, you can't have it both ways. Make your decision. Right, yeah. The organization's not exactly blessed with a ton of right wings at the moment either, so probably keeping him where he is. All right, guys, this has been a blast. Um, Connell, <laughs> thank you so much for joining us. Um, my pleasure, my pleasure. Hopefully we'll have you back on uh, sooner than two years from now. Yeah, that would be great. Yeah, we'll work on it. We'll work on it. Yes, for sure. And good luck with uh, the 87s this year. Uh, hope yeah, you guys sure. get a double hip, as you said. Yeah, I appreciate uh, it. JL, always a pleasure. Um, Likewise. Everybody listening, thank you for, uh, for, for getting back with us. I know we were off for a few weeks. Uh, as you'll see, uh, we are available not only on the audio side. Well, it's all audio. There's no video. But uh, not only on Spotify and on Apple, uh, but also now on YouTube. So three ways to check us out, subscribe, all that good stuff. Um, and we will talk to you here on Live from the Blue Seats next week.